0: Robinson Crusoe, Part 5. This recording copyright Candlelight Stories, Inc., available at candlelightstories.com. Narrated by Alessandro Chima. A Candlelight Stories Audio Production. The Life and Strange Surprising Adventures of Robinson Crusoe of York, Mariner. By Daniel Defoe It cost me much labor, and many days, before all these things were brought to perfection, and therefore I must go back to some other things which took up some of my thoughts. At the same time it happened, after I had laid my scheme for the setting up my tent, and making the cave, that a storm of rain falling from a thick dark cloud, a sudden flash of lightning happened, and after that a great clap of thunder, as is naturally the effect of it i was not so much surprised with the lightning as i was with a thought which darted into my mind as swift as the lightning itself oh my powder my very heart sunk within me when i thought that at one blast all my powder might be destroyed on which not my defence only but the providing me food as i thought entirely depended i was nothing near so anxious about my own danger though had the powder took fire i had never known who had hurt me such impression did this make upon me That after the storm was over, I laid aside all my works, my building and fortifying, and applied myself to make bags and boxes to separate the powder, and to keep it only a little in a parcel, in hope that whatever might come, it might not all take fire at once, and to keep it so apart that it should not be possible to make one part fire another. I finished this work in about a fortnight, and I think my powder, which in all was about two hundred and forty pounds weight, was divided in not less than a hundred parcels. As to the barrel that had been wet, I did not apprehend any danger from that, so I placed it in my new cave, which in my fancy I called my kitchen, and the rest I hid up and down in holes among the rocks, so that no wet might come to it, marking very carefully where I laid it. In the interval of time, while this I was doing, I went out once at least every day with my gun, as well to divert myself as to see if I could kill anything fit for food, and, as near as I could, to acquaint myself with what the island produced. The first time I went out, I presently discovered that there were goats in the island, which was a great satisfaction to me. But then it was attended with this misfortune to me, namely, that they were so shy, so subtle, and so swift of foot, that it was the most difficult thing in the world to come at them. But I was not discouraged at this, not doubting, but I might now and then shoot one, as it soon happened. For after I had found their haunts a little, I laid wait in this manner for them. I observed, If they saw me in the valleys, though they were upon the rocks, they would run away as in a terrible fright. But if they were feeding in the valleys, and I was upon the rocks, they took no notice of me. From whence I concluded that by the position of their optics, their sight was so directed downward that they did not readily see objects that were above them, so afterwards I took this method. I always climbed the rocks first, to get above them, and then I had frequently a fair mark. The first shot I made among these creatures I killed a she goat, which had a little kid by her, which she gave suck to, which grieved me heartily; but when the old one fell, the kid stood stock still by her till I came and took her up; and not only so, but when I carried the old one with me upon my shoulders, the kid followed me quite to my enclosure; upon which I laid down the dam, and took the kid in my arms, and carried it over my pail, in hopes to have bred it up tame; but it would not eat so i was forced to kill it and eat it myself these two supplied me with flesh a great while for i eat sparingly and saved my provisions my bread especially as much as possibly i could having now fixed my habitation i found it absolutely necessary to provide a place to make a fire in and fuel to burn and what i did for that as also how i enlarged my cave and what conveniences i made i shall give a full account of in its place but i must first give some little account of myself and of my thoughts about living which it may well be supposed were not a few. I had a dismal prospect of my condition. For as I was not cast away upon that island without being driven, as is said, by a violent storm quite out of the course of our intended voyage, and a great way some hundreds of leagues out of the ordinary course of the trade of mankind, I had great reason to consider it as a determination of heaven that in this desolate place and in this desolate manner I should end my life. The tears would run plentifully down my face when I made these reflections, and sometimes I would expostulate with myself why Providence should thus completely ruin his creatures and render them so absolutely miserable, so without help abandoned, so entirely depressed, that it could hardly be rational to be thankful for such a life. But something always returned swift upon me to check these thoughts and reprove me, and particularly one day, walking with my gun in my hand by the seaside, I was very pensive upon the subject of my present condition, when reason, as it were, expostulated with me the other way, thus, Well, you are in a desolate condition, it is true. But pray remember, where are the rest of you? Did not you come eleven of you into the boat? Where are the ten? Why were they not saved and thou lost? Why were you singled out? Is it better to be here or there? And then I pointed to the sea. All evils are to be considered with the good that is in them, and with what worse attends them. Then it occurred to me again, how well I was furnished for my subsistence, and what would have been my case, if it had not happened, which was a hundred thousand to one, that the ship floated from the place where she first struck, and was driven so near the shore, that I had time to get all these things out of her? What would have been my case, if I had been left to have lived in the condition in which I at first came on shore, without necessaries of life, or necessaries to supply and procure them. Particularly, said I aloud, though to myself, what should I have done without a gun, without ammunition, without any tools to make anything or to work with, without clothes, bedding, a tent, or any manner of covering? And that now I had all these to a sufficient quantity, and was in a fair way to provide myself in such a manner as to live without my gun when my ammunition was spent, so that I had a tolerable view of subsisting, without any want, as long as I lived. For I considered from the beginning how I should provide for the accidents that might happen, and for the time that was to come, even not only after my ammunition should be spent, but even after my health or strength should decay. I confess I had not entertained any notion of my ammunition being destroyed at one blast, I mean my powder being blown up by lightning, and this made the thoughts of it so surprising to me when it lightened and thundered as i observed just now and now being about to enter into a melancholy relation of a scene of silent life such perhaps as was never heard of in the world before i shall take it from its beginning and continue it in its order it was by my account the thirtieth of september when in the manner as above said i first set foot upon this horrid island when the sun being to us in its autumnal equinox, was almost just over my head, for I reckoned myself by observation to be in the latitude of nine degrees and twenty-two minutes north of the line. After I had been there about ten or twelve days, it came into my thoughts that I should lose my reckoning of time for want of books and pen and ink, and should even forget the Sabbath days from the working days. But to prevent this, I cut it with my knife upon a large post in capital letters, and making it into a great cross I set it up on the shore where I first landed. Namely, I came upon shore here on the 30th of September, 1659. Upon the sides of this square post, I cut every day a notch with my knife, and every seventh notch was as long again as the rest, and every first day of the month as long again as that long one, and thus I kept my calendar, or weekly, monthly, and yearly reckoning of time. In the next place we are to observe that among the many things which i brought out of the ship in the several voyages which as above mentioned i made to it i got several things of less value but not all less useful to me which i omitted setting down before as in particular pens ink and paper several parcels in the captain's mates gunners and carpenters keeping three or four compasses some mathematical instruments dials perspective glasses charts and books of navigation all which i huddled together whether i might want them or no also i found three very good bibles which came to me in my cargo from england and which i had packed up among my things some portuguese books also and among them two or three popish prayer books and several other books all which i carefully secured and i must not forget that we had in the ship a dog and two cats of whose imminent history I may have occasion to say something in its place, for I carried both the cats with me, and as for the dog, he jumped out of the ship of himself, and swam on shore to me the day after I went on shore with my first cargo, and was a trusty servant to me many years. I wanted nothing that he could fetch me, or any company that he could make up to me. I only wanted to have him talk to me, but that he could not do. As I observed before, I found pen, ink, and paper, and I husbanded them to the utmost, and I shall show that while my ink lasted, I kept things very exact, but after that was gone I could not, for I could not make any ink by any means that I could devise. And this put me in mind, that I wanted many things notwithstanding all that I had amassed together, and of these this of ink was one, as also spade, pickaxe, and shovel, to dig or remove the earth needles, pins, and thread. As for linen, I soon learned to want that without much difficulty. This want of tools made every work I did go on heavily, and it was near a whole year before I had entirely finished my little pale or surrounded habitation. The piles or stakes, which were as heavy as I could well lift, were a long time in cutting and preparing in the woods, and more by far in bringing home, so that I spent sometimes two days in cutting and bringing home one of those posts, and a third day in driving it into the ground for which purpose i got a heavy piece of wood at first but at last bethought myself of one of the iron crows which however though i found it yet it made driving those posts or piles very laborious and tedious work but what need i have been concerned at the tediousness of anything i had to do seeing i had time enough to do it in nor had i any other employment if that had been over at least that i could foresee except the ranging of the island to seek for food which I did more or less every day. I have already described my habitation, which was a tent under the side of a rock, surrounded with a strong pail of posts and cables, but I might now rather call it a wall, for I raised a kind of wall up against it of turfs about two feet thick on the outside, and after some time, I think it was a year and a half, I raised rafters from it, leaning to the rock, and thatched or covered it with boughs of trees, and such things as I could get to keep out the rain, which I found at some times of the year very violent. I have already observed how I brought all my goods into this pail and into the cave which I had made behind me, but I must observe too, that at first this was a confused heap of goods, which, as they lay in no order, so they took up all my place, I had no room to turn myself. So I set to work to enlarge my cave, and work farther into the earth, for it was a loose, sandy rock, which yielded itself easily to the labor I bestowed on it. And so, when I found I was pretty safe, as to beasts of prey, I worked sideways to the right hand into the rock, and then turning to the right again, worked quite out, and made me a door to come out on the outside of my pail or fortification. This gave me not only egress and regress, as it were, a back way to my tent and to my storehouse, but gave me room to stow my goods. And now I began to apply myself to such necessary things as I found I most wanted, as particularly a chair and a table, for without these I was not able to enjoy the few comforts I had in the world. I could not write or eat or do several things with so much pleasure without a table. So I went to work, And here I must needs observe, that as reason is the substance and original of the mathematics, so by stating and squaring everything by reason, and by making the most rational judgment of things, every man may be in time master of every mechanic art. I had never handled a tool in my life, and yet in time, by labor, application, and contrivance, I found at last that I wanted nothing but I could have made it, especially if I had had tools. However, I made abundance of things, even without tools, and some with no more tools than an adze and a hatchet, which perhaps were never made that way before, and that with infinite labor. For example, if I wanted a board, I had no other way but to cut down a tree, set it on a hedge before me, and hew it flat on either side with my axe, till I had brought it to be as thin as a plank, and then dub it smooth with my adze. It is true, by this method I could make but one board out of a whole tree. But this I had no remedy for but patience, any more than I had for the prodigious deal of time and labour which it took me up to make a plank or a board. But my time or labour was little worth, and so it was as well employed one way as another. However, I made me a table and a chair, as I observed above, in the first place, and this I did out of the short pieces of boards which I brought on my raft from the ship; but when I had wrought out some boards as above, I made large shelves, of the breadth of a foot and a half, one over another, All along one side of my cave, to lay all my tools, nails, and ironwork, and in a word, to separate everything at large in their places, that I might come easily at them. I knocked pieces into the wall of the rock to hang my guns, and all things that would hang up. So that had my cave been to be seen, it looked like a general magazine of all necessary things, and I had everything so ready at my hand, that it was a great pleasure to me to see all my goods in such order, and especially to find my stock of all necessaries so great and now it was that i began to keep a journal of every day's employment for indeed at first i was in too much hurry and not only hurry as to labor but in too much discomposure of mind and my journal would have been full of many dull things i shall here give you the copy though in it will be told many particulars over again as long as it lasted for having no more ink i was forced to leave it off the journal September fifty nine. I, poor, miserable Robinson Crusoe, being shipwrecked during a dreadful storm, in the offing, came on shore on this dismal, unfortunate island, which I called the Island of Despair, all the rest of the ship's company being drowned, and myself almost dead. All the rest of that day I spent in afflicting myself at the dismal circumstances I was brought to, namely, I had neither food, house, clothes, weapon, nor place to fly to and in despair of any relief saw nothing but death before me either that i should be devoured by wild beasts murdered by savages or starved to death for want of food at the approach of night i slept in a tree for fear of wild creatures but slept soundly though it rained all night october 1. in the morning i saw to my great surprise the ship had floated with the high tide and was driven on shore again much nearer the island which as it was some comfort on one hand for seeing her sit upright, and not broken to pieces, I hoped, if the wind abated, I might get on board and get some food or necessaries out of her for my relief. So, on the other hand, it renewed my grief at the loss of my comrades, who I imagined, if we had all stayed on board, might have saved the ship, or at least, that they would not have been all drowned as they were, and that, had the men been saved, we might perhaps have built us a boat, out of the ruins of the ship, to have carried us to some other part of the world." I spent great part of this day in perplexing myself on these things, but at length, seeing the ship almost dry, I went upon the sand as near as I could, and then swam on board. This day also it continued raining, though with no wind at all. From the first of October to the twenty-fourth, all these days entirely spent in making several voyages to get all I could out of the ship which I brought on shore, every tide of flood upon rafts, much rain also in these days though with some intervals of fair weather, but it seems this was the rainy season. October 20. I overset my raft and all the goods I had got upon it, but being in shoal water and the things being chiefly heavy, I recovered many of them when the tide was out. October 25. It rained all night and all day, with some gusts of wind, during which time the ship, broke in pieces, the wind blowing a little harder than before, and was no more to be seen except the wreck of her, and that only at low water. I spent this day in covering and securing the goods which I had saved, that the rain might not spoil them. October 26. I walked about the shore, almost all day, to find out a place to fix my habitation, greatly concerned to secure myself from any attack in the night, either from wild beasts or men. Toward night I fixed upon a proper place under a rock and marked out a semicircle for my encampment, which I resolved to strengthen with a work, wall, or fortification made of double piles, lined within with cables, and without with turf. From the twenty-sixth to the thirtieth, I worked very hard in carrying all my goods to my new habitation, though some part of the time it rained exceeding hard. The thirty-first in the morning, I went out into the island with my gun to seek some food, and discover the country, when I killed a she-goat, and her kid followed me home, which I afterwards killed also because it would not feed. November 1. I set up my tent under a rock and lay there for the first night, making it as large as I could with stakes driven in to swing my hammock upon. November 2. I set up all my chests and boards and the pieces of timber which made my rafts, and with them I formed a fence round me, a little within the place I had marked out for my fortification. November 3. I went out with my gun, and killed two fowls like ducks, which were very good food, in the afternoon went to work to make me a table. November 4. This morning I began to order my times of work, of going out with my gun, time of sleep, and time of diversion. Every morning I walked out with my gun for two or three hours if it did not rain, then employed myself to work till about eleven o'clock, then eat what I had to live on, and from twelve to two I lay down to sleep, the weather being excessive hot, and then in the evening to work again. The working part of this day, and of the next, were wholly employed in making my table, for I was yet but a very sorry workman, though time and necessity made me a complete natural mechanic soon after, as I believe it would do any one else. November 5. This day went I abroad with my gun and my dog, and killed a wild cat, her skin pretty soft, but her flesh good for nothing. Every creature I killed I took off the skins and preserved them. Coming back to the seashore, I saw many sorts of sea-fowls, which I did not understand, but was surprised and almost frighted with two or three seals, which, while I was gazing, not well knowing what they were, got into the sea and escaped me for that time. November 6. After my morning walk, I went to work with my table again, and finished it, though not to my liking nor was it long before I learned to mend it. November 7. Now it began to be settled fair weather. The 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, and a part of the 12th, for the 11th was Sunday, I took wholly up to make me a chair, and with much ado brought it to a tolerable shape, but never to please me, and even in the making I pulled it in pieces several times. Note. I soon neglected my keeping Sundays for omitting my mark for them on my post. I forgot which was which. November 13. This day it rained, which refreshed me exceedingly and cooled the earth, but it was accompanied with terrible thunder and lightning which frighted me dreadfully for fear of my powder. As soon as it was over I resolved to separate my stock of powder into as many little parcels as possible, that it might not be in danger. November 14, 15, 16. These three days I spent in making little square chests or boxes which might hold about a pound or two pounds at most, of powder, and so putting the powder in, I stowed it in places as secure and remote from one another as possible. On one of these three days, I killed a large bird that was good to eat, but I know not what to call it. November 17. This day, I began to dig behind my tent into the rock, to make room for my farther conveniency. Note, three things I wanted exceeding for this work, namely, a pickaxe, a shovel, and a wheelbarrow or basket so I desisted from my work, and began to consider how to supply that want, and make me some tools. As for a pickaxe, I made use of the iron crows, which were proper enough, though heavy, but the next thing was a shovel, or spade. This was so absolutely necessary, that indeed, I could do nothing effectually without it, but what kind of one to make I knew not. November 18. The next day, in searching the woods, I found a tree of that wood, or like it, which in the Brazils they call the iron tree, for its exceeding hardness. Of this, with great labor and almost spoiling my axe, I cut a piece and brought it home too with difficulty enough, for it was exceeding heavy. The excessive hardness of the wood, and having no other way, made me a long while upon this machine, for I worked it effectually by little and little into the form of a shovel or spade, the handle exactly shaped like ours in England, only that the broad part, having no iron shod upon it at bottom, it would not last me so long. However, it served well enough for the uses which I had occasion to put it to, and never was a shovel, I believe, made after that fashion or so long in the making. I was still deficient, for I wanted a basket or a wheelbarrow, a basket I could not make by any means, having no such things as twigs that would bend to make wickerware, at least none yet found out, and as to the wheelbarrow, I fancied I could make all but the wheel, but that I had no notion of, neither did I know how to go about it. Besides, I had no possible way to make the iron gudgeons for the spindle or axis of the wheel to run in, so I gave it over. And so, for carrying away the earth which I dug out of the cave, I made me a thing like a hod, which the laborers carry mortar in when they serve the bricklayers. This was not so difficult to me as the making the shovel, and yet this and the shovel and the attempt which i made in vain to make a wheelbarrow took me up no less than four days i mean always excepting my morning walk with my gun which i seldom failed and very seldom failed also bringing home something to eat november twenty three my other work having now stood still because of my making these tools when they were finished i went on and working every day as my strength and time allowed, I spent 18 days entirely in widening and deepening my cave, that it might hold my goods commodiously. Note. During all this time, I worked to make this room or cave spacious enough to accommodate me as a warehouse or magazine, a kitchen, a dining room, a cellar. As for my lodging, I kept to the tent except that sometimes in the wet season of the year it rained so hard that i could not keep myself dry which caused me afterwards to cover all my place with my pale and long poles in the form of rafters leaning against the rock and load them with flags and large leaves of trees like a thatch december ten i began now to think my cave or vault finished when on a sudden it seems I had made it too large, a great quantity of earth fell down from the top and on one side, so much that in short it frighted me, and not without reason, too, for if I had been under it, I had never wanted a gravedigger. Upon this disaster, I had a great deal of work to do over again, for I had the loose earth to carry out, and, which was of more importance, I had the ceiling to prop up, so that I might be sure no more would come down. December 11. This day I went to work with it accordingly, and got two shores, or posts, pitched upright to the top, with two pieces of boards across over each post. This I finished the next day, and setting more posts up with boards, in about a week more I had the roof secured, and the posts, standing in rows, served me for partitions to part off my house. December 17th From this day to the 20th I placed shelves and knocked up nails on the posts to hang everything up that could be hung up, and now I began to be in some order within doors. December 20. Now I carried everything into the cave and began to furnish my house and set up some pieces of boards like a dresser to order my victuals upon, but boards began to be very scarce with me. Also I made me another table. December 24. Much rain all night and all day, no stirring out. December 25 rain all day december twenty six no rain and the earth much cooler than before and pleasanter december twenty seven killed a young goat and lamed another so that i caught it and led it home by a string when i had it home i bound and splintered up its leg which was broke n b i took such care of it that it lived and the leg grew well and as strong as ever but by nursing it so long it grew tame and fed upon the little green at my door and would not go away this was the first time that I entertained a thought of breeding up some tame creatures, that I might have food when my powder and shot was all spent. December twenty eighth, twenty nine, thirty. Great heats and no breeze, so that there was no stirring abroad except in the evening for food. This time I spent in putting all my things in order within doors. January 1. Very hot still, but I went abroad early and late with my gun and lay still in the middle of the day, this evening going farther into the valleys which lay towards the centre of the island i found there was plenty of goats though exceeding shy and hard to come at however i resolved to try if i could not bring my dog to hunt them down january two accordingly the next day i went out with my dog and set him upon the goats but i was mistaken for they all faced about upon the dog and he knew his danger too well for he would not come near them january three I began my fence, or wall, which, being still jealous of my being attacked by somebody, I resolved to make very thick and strong. N.B. This wall, being described before, I purposely omit what was said in the journal. It is sufficient to observe that I was no less time than from the 3rd of January to the 14th of April working, finishing, and perfecting this wall though it was no more than about twenty-four yards in length being a half circle from one place in the rock to another place about eight yards from it the door of the cave being in the centre behind it all this time i worked very hard the rains hindering me many days nay sometimes weeks together but i thought i should never be perfectly secure until this wall was finished and it is scarce credible what inexpressible labor everything was done with especially the bringing piles out of the woods and driving them into the ground for I made them much bigger than I need to have done. When this wall was finished, and the outside double fence with a turf wall raised up close to it, I persuaded myself that if any people were to come on shore there, they would not perceive anything like a habitation, and it was very well I did so as may be observed hereafter upon a very remarkable occasion during this time i made my rounds in the woods for game every day when the rain permitted me and made frequent discoveries in these walks of something or other to my advantage particularly i found a kind of wild pigeon who built not as wood-pigeons in a tree but rather as house-pigeons in the holes of the rocks and taking some young ones i endeavoured to breed them up tame and did so but when they grew older they flew away which perhaps at first for want of feeding them for i had nothing to give them However, I frequently found their nests and got their young ones, which were very good meat, and now, in the managing my household affairs, I found myself wanting in many things, which I thought at first it was impossible for me to make, as indeed, as to some of them it was. For instance, I could never make a cask to be hooped. I had a small runlet or two, as I observed before, but I could never arrive to the capacity of making one by them, though I spent many weeks about it. I could neither put in the heads or joint the staves so true to one another as to make them hold water, so I gave that also over. In the next place, I was at a great loss for candles, so that as soon as ever it was dark, which was generally by seven o'clock, I was obliged to go to bed. I remembered the lump of beeswax with which I made candles in my African adventure, but I had none of that now. The only remedy I had was that when I had killed a goat, I saved the tallow and with a little dish made of clay, which I baked in the sun, to which I added a wick of some oakum, I made me a lamp, and this gave me light, though not a clear, steady light like a candle. In the middle of all my labors it happened that, rummaging my things, I found a little bag which, as I hinted before, had been filled with corn for the feeding of poultry, not for this voyage, but before, as I suppose, when the ship came from Lisbon. What little remainder of corn had been in the bag was all devoured with the rats, and I saw nothing in the bag but husks and dust, and willing to have the bag for some other use, I think it was to put powder in when I divided it for fear of the lightning or some such use, I shook the husks of corn out of it on one side of my fortification under the rock. It was a little before the great rains, just now mentioned, that I threw this stuff away, taking no notice of anything, and not so much as remembering that I had thrown anything there, when about a month after, or thereabouts, I saw some few stalks of something green shooting out of the ground, which I fancied might be some plant I had not seen, but I was surprised and perfectly astonished, when after a little longer time I saw about ten or twelve ears come out, which were perfect green barley, of the same kind as our European, nay, as our English barley. It is impossible to express the astonishment and confusion of my thoughts on this occasion." I had hitherto acted upon no religious foundation at all. Indeed, I had very few notions of religion in my head, or had entertained any sense of anything that had been fallen me otherwise than as a chance, or as we lightly say, what pleases God, without so much as inquiring into the end of providence in these things, or his order in governing events in the world, but after I saw barley grow there, in a climate which i knew was not proper for corn and especially that i knew not how it came there it startled me strangely and i began to suggest that god had miraculously caused this grain to grow without any help of seed sown and that it was so directed purely for my sustenance on that wild miserable place this touched my heart a little and brought tears out of my eyes, and I began to bless myself, that such a prodigy of nature should happen upon my account. And this was the more strange to me, because I saw near it still, all along by the side of the rock, some other straggling stalks, which proved to be stalks of rice, and which I knew because I had seen it grow in Africa when I was ashore there. I not only thought these the pure productions of providence for my support, but not doubting, but that there was more in the place, i went all over that part of the island where i had been before peeping in every corner and under every rock to see for more of it but i could not find any at last it occurred to my thought that i had shook a bag of chicken's meat out in that place and then the wonder began to cease and i must confess my religious thankfulness to god's providence began to abate too upon discovering that all this was nothing but what was common though I ought to have been as thankful for so strange and unforeseen a providence as if it had been miraculous, for it was really the work of providence as to me that should order or appoint ten or twelve grains of corn to remain unspoiled, when the rats had destroyed all the rest, as if it had been dropped from heaven, as also that I should throw it out in that particular place where, it being in the shade of a high rock, it sprang up immediately, whereas if I had thrown it anywhere else at that time, it had been burnt up and destroyed. I carefully saved the ears of this corn, you may be sure, in their season, which was about the end of June, and laying up every corn I resolved to sow them all again, hoping in time to have some quantity sufficient to supply me with bread. But it was not till the fourth year that I could allow myself the least grain of this corn to eat, and even then, but sparingly, as I shall say afterwards in its order, for I lost all that I sowed the first season by not observing the proper time for I sowed it just before the dry season, so that it never came up at all, at least not as it would have done, of which in its place. Besides this barley, there were, as above, twenty or thirty stalks of rice, which I preserved with the same care, as whose use was of the same kind, or to the same purpose, namely to make me bread, or rather food, for I found ways to cook it up without baking, though I did that also after some time, but to return to my journal. I worked excessive hard these three or four months to get my wall done, and the 14th of April I closed it up, contriving to go into it not by a door, but over the wall by a ladder, that there might be no sign in the outside of my habitation. April sixteenth, I finished the ladder, so I went up with the ladder to the top, and then pulled it up after me, and let it down on the inside. This was a complete enclosure to me, for within I had room enough, and nothing could come at me from without, unless it could first mount my wall the very next day after this wall was finished i had almost had all my labor overthrown at once and myself killed the case was thus as i was busy in the inside of it behind my tent just in the entrance into my cave i was terribly frighted with a most dreadful surprising thing indeed for on a sudden i found the earth come crumbling down from the roof of my cave and from the edge of the hill over my head and two of the posts i had set up in the cave cracked in a frightful manner. I was heartily scared, but thought nothing of what was really the cause, only thinking that the top of my cave was falling in, as some of it had done before, and, for fear I should be buried in it, I ran forward to my ladder, and not thinking myself safe there neither, I got over my wall for fear of the pieces of the hill which I expected might roll down upon me. I was no sooner stepped down upon the firm ground, but I plainly saw it was a terrible earthquake, for the ground I stood on shook three times, at about eight minutes' distance, with three such shocks as would have overturned the strongest building that could be supposed to have stood on the earth, and a great piece of the top of a rock, which stood about half a mile from me next the sea, fell down with such a terrible noise as I never heard in all my life. I perceived also that the very sea was put into violent motion by it, and I believe the shocks were stronger under the water than on the island." I WAS SO AMAZED WITH THE THING ITSELF HAVING NEVER FELT the ALIKE OR DISCOURSED WITH any one THAT HAD THAT I WAS LIKE ONE DEAD OR STUPEFIED AND THE MOTION OF THE EARTH MADE MY STOMACH SICK LIKE ONE THAT WAS TOSSED AT SEA BUT THE NOISE OF THE FALLING OF THE ROCK AWAKED ME AS IT WERE AND ROUSING ME FROM THE STUPEFIED CONDITION I WAS IN FILLED ME WITH HORROR AND I THOUGHT OF NOTHING THEN BUT THE HILL FALLING UPON MY TENT AND ALL MY HOUSEHOLD GOODS AND BURYING ALL AT ONCE and this sunk my very soul within me a second time. After the third shock was over, and I felt no more for some time, I began to take courage, and yet I had not heart enough to get over my wall again, for fear of being buried alive, but sat still upon the ground, greatly cast down and disconsolate, not knowing what to do. All this while I had not the least serious religious thought, nothing but the common, Lord, have mercy upon me, and when it was over, that went away too. While I sat thus, I found the air overcast, and grow cloudy as if it would rain. Soon after that the wind rose by little and little, so that in less than half an hour it blew a most dreadful hurricane. The sea was all on a sudden covered over with foam and froth. The shore was covered up with the breach of the water, the trees were torn up by the roots, and a terrible storm it was, and this held about three hours, and then began to abate, and in two hours more it was stark calm, And began to rain very hard. All this while I sat upon the ground, very much terrified and dejected, when on a sudden it came into my thoughts that these winds and rain, being the consequences of the earthquake, the earthquake itself was spent and over, and that I might venture into my cave again. With this thought my spirits began to revive, and the rain also helping to persuade me, I went in and sat down in my tent. But the rain was so violent that my tent was ready to be beaten down with it, and I was forced to go into my cave though very much afraid and uneasy for fear it should fall on my head this violent rain forced me to a new work namely to cut a hole through my new fortification like a sink to let water go out which would else have drowned my cave after i had been in my cave some time and found still no more shocks of the earthquake followed i began to be more composed and now to support my spirits which indeed wanted it very much i went to my little store and took a small sup of rum which, however, I did then, and always very sparingly, knowing I could have no more, when that was gone. It continued raining all that night and a great part of the next day, so that I could not stir abroad. But my mind, being more composed, I began to think of what I had best do, concluding that if the island was subject to these earthquakes, there would be no living for me in a cave, but I must consider of building me some little hut, in an open place, which I might surround with a wall, as I had done here, and so make myself secure from wild beasts or men, but concluded, if I stayed where I was, I should certainly, one time or other, be buried alive. A Candlelight Stories Audio Production